Welcome to the Tusk Partners Group Dental Practice Fundamentals Podcast. 20 minutes devoted to giving you the tools and insights into how to best start, grow, or sell your business. Hey, this is Kevin Cumbus, President and Managing Director of Mergers and Acquisitions here at Tusk. We are so glad you've decided to join us on our podcast today. I am joined by Ryan Mingus, Director of the Mergers and Acquisitions business here, for a candid conversation about specialty DSOs. We're going to take a look back to the origin story of DSOs and the founding father, Heartland Dental Care, back in 1980, and what was so attractive about the GP market. And then we're going to look and flash forward up to 2015, 2017, 2018, and, and talk about the advent of Smile Doctors, U.S. Oral Surgery, and U.S. Endodontic Partners. It has been an incredibly wild ride for the specialty space since 2015. Uh, There are more buyers for specialty practices today than ever before, and there are new buyers being created on close to a weekly basis. Uh, We look forward to sharing with you our insights and and hope you enjoy this. Quick reminder, um, if you enjoy these podcasts where we're focused on mergers and acquisitions, I want to invite you out to Denver, Colorado on July 28th. That's a Wednesday from 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. We have partnered with Dicoma, and they've been kind enough to allow us to do uh, a one-day conference in advance of their multi-day definitive Dicoma DSO conference. Um, You can register by going to the Dicoma DSO webpage and submit for the extra day as well, or you can reach out to us directly here at Tusk. Just reach out to info at tusk-partners.com and we'll be more than happy to get you set up for that. It's going to be a remarkable day where we're going to have industry titans talking about uh, the evolution of dental practice consolidation in the industry. We're going to have a buy-side panel, a sell-side panel. We're going to be talking with some of the biggest acquirers in the space, along with some of the most prolific private equity groups in the nation. Um, It's a rare glimpse into a rapidly evolving and fast-changing M&A environment. Look, thanks for joining us again. I hope you enjoyed the show. Ryan, it's really good to have you back. Uh, how have you been? How's your spring? Been great. You know, second spring here in Charlotte. Really, really enjoying all the the foliage and the pollen. The, yeah. The snow covered car, the yellow snow. Yeah, I got a black car. It kind of looks. It looks like brown or purple today with it, with the pollen on it. Like the chameleon paint jobs, you know, kind of. <laughs> right. right. Have different cool. color from every perspective. <laughs> yeah. You know, we've suffered what they call like like fake spring. Right. It's like it's like spring for a day, and then it drops down to about thirty degrees, like it did this past weekend. Yeah, yeah. I'm a little bit worried about the the rain coming, but uh, over the weekend to spoil my plans, but. All in all, everything's been going great. We've got a lot of activity in the market, and that always helps. Yeah, we do have something to talk about, I guess, don't we? Yeah. We have, so we're, we wanted to take a little bit of everybody's time today and, and talk about the evolution of the specialty DSO. It's, it's helpful, I think, to, to give a little bit of historical context and then walk down memory lane, if you would. If you'll allow me, let me set the stage, and then, then we'll kind of dig in. So jump in your time machines with me and, and dial the Wayback Machine back to 1980. Uh, 1980 was the year that Heartland Dental was formed. So we are now many years into the, into the Heartland Dental story. 
And Heartland was really focused on the the general dentist, right? Um, and, and as Heartland laid out their their strategy, one of the thoughts in in the consolidation space was hygiene is a revenue center and it is a profit center and it is extremely profitable. And in the event we lose a dentist, we know hygiene is going to be there. So it felt less risky. So that was the blueprint. That was the plan. And uh, most of the other DSOs that followed suit uh, followed that blueprint. Now, something pretty special happened in 2015. In 2015, uh, Smile Doctors was established. It was Scotty Law and Dana Fender, funded by Sheridan Capital and and one of the original thought leaders in in the consolidation of the industry space, the Thurston Group. So they come out of the gates in 2015 on an orthodontic-specific group. Never seen anything like this before except Ortho Centers of America, which was a failed group. That didn't quite make it because of various and sundry reasons. So this was a this was called this a DSO version 2.0 of this of this ortho model. They came out guns blazing, right? So they go from a couple locations to 90 locations across 11 states, and ultimately sold that business in October of 2017 to London. So what is that? Two and a half year run. That's incredible. Uh, yeah, from zero to nothing, and you know everybody saw that and go whoa 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 that. How did you get the specialist on board? Well, I think what we saw was specialists felt like they were left out. All these general dentists were selling their businesses for 100%, 200% of collections. And orthodontists, oral surgeons, endodontists, um, they were and pediatric dentists. Uh, they were left still with one buyer pool, another specialist. And although I think, look, we've all got egos, and, and, the, and, and it took a lot of time for general dentists to get comfortable with the with the term DSO or God forbid corporate dentistry and and specialists are different no doubt about it and they didn't want to fall fall victim to that um, but at the same time the money was pretty hard to turn down yeah I mean think about how many recapitalizations Heartland or Astrin went through before Smile Doctors even existed right so so they probably had heard about it at the country club three yeah. four times over that. 15, 20-year period, five-year period from the time that Heartland was formed to the time that Smile Doctors was formed. So, you know, I think money talks and obviously all of these orthodontists are are entrepreneurs. They started their own business and and they wanted the fruits of their labor over the course of their career to be recognized, right? So, Yeah, Yeah, it falls suit, right? So they, they, they see the money, they see the opportunity. They want to be a part of it. Smile Doctors appears, builds that value proposition for them, and has tremendous success. So that was 2015 to 2017. In 2017, U.S. oral surgery appears on the scene. This is a, a business that is near and dear to my heart because we, we played an active role in advising uh, one of the inaugural platforms uh, that became U.S. Oral Surgery. This business was funded by Riverglade and Thurston again. We've worked with them on, on countless opportunities over the years. Today, they have over 70 locations throughout the nation, and they 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 worked really hard to, to work on a segment of, of the business of dentistry and, and the specialty of oral surgery that is distinctly different. Um, you know, surgeons are, they run their businesses differently. Um, they, they've got incredibly rich margins. They're not just dentists, but in many cases, MDs as well. Um, they've already, they've been very, very good historically at building businesses with multiple locations, with multiple doctors. But when they do that, there there have been some 
I would say, some legacy issues with respect to the valuation of the equity inside of that business and the transition from one partner to another. Yeah. So I, I think that, that that's a piece of the success story there. Yeah, and I, and I think you know we, what we hear, the sentiment that we hear, we, we're doing a lot of oral surgery transactions right now. We've got a lot of different clients in different phases of their journey. Um, but when we're onboarding them, you know, we're always asking them, what, what interests you in this pathway? We, we only represent sellers that are interested in going to a private equity group or a private equity-backed DSO. That's quite the, I guess, venture from the norm. Can you give us some color as to you know wh- why you're motivated here? And it always it, it centered around that the, the new associates coming out of school. Can can they afford to take out the amount of equity that would be required of them? For, or not not equity, excuse me, cash from from a from a bank in order to get what I feel my business is worth through the the, the historical methodologies of valuation and. Do these new doctors have the same desires from a work-life balance perspective? Sure. Knowing that I spend twenty-five percent of my week, you know, on the business instead of in the business, right. doing dentistry, doing doing oral surgery. So I feel like they feel that the, the the younger doctors have a little bit of a cultural shift with respect to what they want in their life from a work-life balance perspective, and in addition to that, they they feel that. That the amount of money that would be required of them to get from a bank might be difficult to to achieve. Couple that with the actual transition process, there's not a lot of confidence that, that these folks feel that they can get what they're get out of their business what they feel that that they put into their business. Yeah, I, I, that's well said, right? So let's wrap some numbers around this. So U.S. Oral Surgery comes to the space; they're the first big aggregator. Um, they are picking up large groups for strong to reasonable multiples early on. They got that first mover advantage. Valuations range somewhere between that 6 to 10x uh, EBITDA valuation, which translates to something around, you know, 100 to 300% of collections, depending on the profitability of the business. All right, so now let's talk about a you know multi-surgery surgeon group doing five million dollars of collections. Right. Um, in their shareholder agreement, there's probably something that reads a little something like this: When senior doctor is ready to retire, we look back at the trailing revenue over the last three years, take the average, and then multiply that by 0.8, and that's going to be the value of his shares. If he owns 25 percent of the business, it's going to be you know 25 percent of that value, and and that's a non-negotiable, and that's the way he's going to get bought out. And Junior's going to come in and we'll do a loan from shareholders to that and the doctor will be paid out and he'll work post-close. All right. So I really believe in the 1970s, there was this person walking around educating all the oral surgeons about how to do this. Because every time we talk with a surgery group, there's the same antiquated, some derivation of this antiquated methodology of buying in and buying out the, the surgeons. Uh, I was on one of these calls on Friday, and it just it's staggering to me that these things are still in place. So you juxtapose, you know, eighty percent of the average three year collections with three hundred percent of collections, and we got a major disconnect, right? So I would say it's it's a wealth generator for the doctors that own the shares today to partner with the DSO. But the other side of that coin is the associates coming in. Um, so what, what does it look like for new doctors coming in, new residents coming into surgery centers like this? More from the DSO perspective, right? Yeah, from the DSO perspective. Yeah, yeah. So obviously they understand that, that associates are the lifeblood of their organization. They're not, they're not creating businesses for a five-year run. They're creating businesses for you know, into perpetuity. So 
they they understand. Obviously, we need to take care of the shareholders that are the, the owner doctors that are coming in. Yes, but we're only going to be as good as our ability to attract and retain associates yeah. because us as a big DSO, we can only acquire so much. At some point, we're going to need to get really, really good at organic growth. And we need young, hungry doctors in order to achieve that organic growth. You know, if we're going to add doctor days or create de novo locations, you're going to have to staff those de novo locations with associate doctors. So understanding how to attract and retain those doctors, a lot of these DSOs, they all have their own secret sauce or their own muscle, whatever it is, but but they all create pathways for associates to to gain equity and become you know, quote unquote partners. Yep. So there are pathways, some even within the same DSO, multiple pathways for you to become a partner, shareholder, owner in the business and participate in the upside of the equity similar to the selling doctors. So some examples of those actually kind of resemble things outside of the dental industry, right? You've got employee stock purchasing programs where um, DSOs will allow associates to buy shares of the equity, same level of equity that the, the sellers got at the closing table. And then even some of those DSOs will match up to a certain dollar amount of those equities. So that's that's obviously extremely attractive. So they've all got their different their different ways of doing this, right? So is there a a one common mousetrap around the equity, or is it are they all different? Yeah, not that I've seen. So a, another example would be more of a reserve stock unit model, right? Kind of like a well, based on your tenure, there's a we'll give you this these reserve stock units, and based on a vesting period and a vesting schedule will become a shareholder without having to actually lay out any cash for those. Interesting. And then some will even self-fund the equity as well. So you can buy shares out of out of your compensation. So right. a lot of different methodologies, all with the same goal in mind, which is attract and retain associates and help them understand that that they're part of a bigger entity and and high tides raise all boats. Yes, yeah, so I, I love the equity component of it. A lot of surgeons that we work with in Adonis that we work with, all specialists that we work with, are wondering about how do I how do I create equity opportunities for the attraction and retention of associates. That that that's a big solve that these specialty DSOs have, have brought to the table. One other thing that they've done that I, I find pretty interesting, especially in oral surgery, is the typical model for a doctor coming out of residency is we're going to pay you a salary. Maybe it's $250,000 a year for X number of years. And at that point, you'll have the opportunity to become a partner. Uh, and once you do, there'll be a buy-in, and then you'll have access to profit distributions only eligible for owners. It's, it's a little bit like an apprenticeship, right? And I, and I get it, right? Surgeons coming out need to get up to speed. They need to build their own referral base. And the owners of that business should make a profit over them off of them while they're teaching and growing and training that new, new surgeon. DSOs have taken a completely different approach to this. It is a commission right out of the gate. Yep. So if you are a, a super producer and you're able to do a million dollars of collections in year one, you're going to make about $325,000. Right. So it's a close to a $75,000 raise, which is impactful, especially given the amount of student debt that surgeons are coming out of, of residency with right now. Uh, so I feel like they're trying to solve for some major pain points that exist for, for both senior partner leadership and associates and, and residents coming out of school. Yeah, I think I think that that's going to become 
a bigger and bigger issue as as more and more DSOs, specialty specific DSOs, continue to come about. How are we going to be the most you know, attractive opportunity? Um, in it already in the GP space. These DSOs are at the residency program. Absolutely. They're at dental schools. So they're actively trying to recruit, and and you know all of them will have a table at the venue to make sure that they can introduce themselves and pass out business card and, and, and offer folks to you know get on a plane and, and come see them and vice versa. So it's only going to get more and more competitive. And I'm excited to see the, the different methodologies and approaches that these DSOs do because ultimately they're competing with a, with a doctor that could go out and do this on their own. But sure. I, I don't know if that's the, the motivation of the, the modern younger doctor coming out of school that, that's that's a huge commitment and a certainly a sacrifice to the work-life balance that what we hear from our our clients when they're trying to attract new doctors that is top of the list of priorities for these associates when they ask what's important to them compensation work-life balance partnership you know you name it that work-life balance is, is very much at the top yeah yeah, it's a it's an interesting dynamic. You know, we we've we've touched on the ortho side of the business and smile doctors. We know that there are a lot of businesses that that have have since come into being that look and act a lot like smile doctors from a ortho and orthopedo perspective. We, we've touched on U.S. oral surgery. I know you had a, a you still have a lot of oral surgery deals in the market. You are seeing uh, copycats the wrong word, right? They're they're new flavors of a of an oral surgery specific DSO um, that are that are appearing. Golly, it, se- it seems almost like weekly we're hearing of a new a new group in the oral surgery space, and and we have yet to touch on on endodontics. Sure. So on the endo side, in 2018, we saw the first endodontic specific DSO appear. Uh, in U.S. endodontic partners in 2019, we saw the second one with Endo One. You know, these uh, two are rapidly growing businesses. Endodontists have been left out in the cold for a long time. I, I remember early on in Tusk when we would get call from endodontists, and, and these are my father's friends. They had two million dollar practices and no one to buy this business. And it stemmed from the fact that ortho- endodontists are hard to come by. There are not enough endodontists coming out of residency to satisfy the number of doctors, the baby boomers who are retiring. And endodontists were literally selling their business and throwing away the keys and maybe selling some of the fixed assets inside of their business. And the endodontists that called us way back when could have just held on for a couple more years they would have been extremely pleasantly surprised in the uptick in valuation that is driven by the demand in the market today. So it's it feels like we are in a in a period of of surging demand for all specialties inside of the dental world. And there is there is an opportunity really to, to pick your partner depending on what you're looking for in your transaction. And uh, we've even seen what I feel demand for specialty in markets that typically we've had a tough time finding buyers for. Yeah. So if, if if a general dental practice came to me and, and said that they had a, a big opportunity out in California, I might be a little bit worried about the number of buyers that I might be able to, to bring to the table versus somebody in Texas. Yeah, I think California is a, gr- a great example because there are certainly California-specific buyers. Correct. But getting a, a DSO that had a footprint around, you know, kind of the, the Midwest or even down in the Southwest to go to California, that was, yeah. a, that was a hard thing to sell. If I've got an oral surgery group, an endodontic group, or an ortho group, 
in California, I have zero issue trying to place a, a number of buyers at the table for that opportunity. I think that that is just they understand how rare they are. Obviously, they're very margin-rich businesses, and they're willing to go into markets that perhaps you know a general dental-specific DSO would not be willing to go into. So that's been nice and has obviously proven quite fruitful for, for the specialty groups that we have in, in some of those perhaps harder-to-place markets. Yeah, I was looking back at some of the deals we closed in the specialty space. You know, it's Illinois, Alabama, Texas, Virginia, Idaho, North Dakota, California. Like, th- these are not, you know, they are wonderful places. They are great places to visit, and, and our, our clients have built remarkable businesses there. But they're not the top states you think about, about where do I want to expand my business to. So it's, it's an excellent point that there is, because of this increase in demand, um, great businesses, irrespective of which state or city they're in, are still going to command premium prices. Yes. Um, well, this has been a great conversation with Ron. I, I can't thank you enough for the insight. Thanks for taking a break from your golf game to to, to spend some time with me today. Not quite spun up yet. It's still <laughs> it's barely April, but uh, been out one time this year so far. One time. Okay. <laughs> well, well, we'll have to see if we can't correct that. Um, listen, I, I really appreciate it. For those of you who enjoyed this, please uh, feel free to, to hop online and, and send us a review. If you got questions or topics that you'd like to hear us cover in the future, uh, don't be afraid to shoot uh, me an email. You you can shoot me an email at kevin at tusk-partners.com. Tune back in for more conversations like this, and thank you for joining us. Thanks, everybody. Wow, what a great conversation with Ryan about the specialty space. You know, if you own a specialty practice or group and you are curious about what your practice could be worth, please reach out to us here at Tusk. You can reach Ryan at ryan at tusk-partners.com. You can always reach me at kevin at tusk-partners.com. The insights that he provided and, and really helps me grasp how rapidly changing this environment is and, and that with just about the time you think you know who all the buyers are and what their equity structures are, a new buyer comes on the landscape and existing buyers change their structures fascinating stuff. If you're enjoying this this podcast, please uh, reach out to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Just poke your way over there on your phone and please leave us a, a review. Um, if you've got topics that you'd like for us to tackle or conversations you'd like to hear, email us at info at tusk-partners.com. Uh, and if you find this useful and interesting and entertaining, just share it with your friends. Thanks, everybody. See you next time.